Welcome to the Behind the Curtain Podcast, your real-world guide to real estate investment and property management. In this episode, we're going to discuss COVID-19 and how it impacted the way we do business in Memphis and around the country. In Neighborhood Chat, we'll hear some news of the strange but true, which I can't wait to hear that. Those are hilarious. And later in the show, we'll be chatting with Todd Robertson. He's a loan specialist with Hometown Capital Group. And he's going to share with us the current state of financing for investment properties and as well as some different products that he has on the market. Do you want to tell the people what we're talking about? Um, we can. Okay, all right. But so I, you're taking all the mystery out of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're talking about how COVID has affected the real estate market, but we're do, we're talking about it on a national level versus a local market level. Correct. Um, so, and, and Glenn, if you disagree or whatever, throw in, uh, do so. But during the COVID, <laughs> during the COVID time, um, Memphis didn't, well, we had the, the eviction moratorium, but did we really see more evictions that we couldn't do over the normal eviction uh, amounts in Memphis during COVID or because, you know, a lot of investors buy here because it's a distribution town that the a huge number of people live inside of sea limits are renters, not buyers. So there's a big market. There's a big rental base. So in FedEx, FedEx couldn't shut down. Uh, Amazon couldn't shut down. Nike couldn't shut Matter down. Fact, so they were FedEx's still going to work. Business went up, right? So they they were still putting people to work. Amazon, I'm sure, probably doubled their staff because it became a, a order to your door type world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see Memphis, from my perspective, having this this issue with rents and with tenants and evictions and and none of that. Actually, I saw we saw property values increase during COVID, right. as far as sales are concerned. Okay, so uh, here's here's my position. So we all we all strike different positions on on COVID and how it's affected the marketplace. Um, so so my response, I want to set the table, if you will, for this conversation. We're going to be having this conversation for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, listeners, buckle up. If you don't hear today um, your specific topic or subtopic addressed um, in regard to how COVID has affected the real estate market, we will get to it. I promise. In fact, if you like, we would love to hear from you. You can go to our website behindthecurtainpodcast.com. dot um, So go on there if, you, if there's if there's a, a topic that you would like for us to cover, a specific question that you have for us about how COVID has specifically affected. Really, a question, anything about the. Memphis real estate market. We'd love to answer that question. But in this regard, how COVID has affected the Memphis real estate market, please go to behindthecurtainpodcast.com and send us your question. And we'll be happy to, to research it. And, and the next time we, we get on, we'll be happy to answer that. And we'll even give you a little shout out. And, and uh, if you want to convey who you are and, and uh, let everybody know who, uh, who asked that question. Now, Here's what I would like to set the table with real quick. Um, COVID has affected the real estate market in so many different ways. It has affected the sales market, I believe, obviously, in that we have statistically been able to prove that there is there are fewer properties on the market nationwide right now than there have been 
historically. But what caused that? That's my yeah, question. Why is that? How, how did COVID-19 do that? Dude, that, that was just the fork. I'm trying to set the whole table here. I just got the fork put down. Do Obviously, this is going to be contentious. <laughs> no, it's fine. I just, there's so much to talk about. Okay. Here, uh, before you get go okay. further, All right. and, and where Glenn and I are coming from, because Glenn and I have had this conversation, mm-hmm. is that in 2020, I did more business than I've done since I've since I've joined EPM. Sure. Okay. During the COVID, during the lockdown, during all of the, oh my goodness, the sky is falling, the world's coming unglued. And investors, I had some investors that would call and say, well, I'm just going to sit tight and wait for the market to crash and I'm going to buy everything cheap. And then three months into it, they realized the market's still rocking, rocketing here in Memphis and they started buying again. Right. I, I mean, I, I did a tremendous amount of business during the COVID. So, But there was a hesitancy at the beginning of the in, year, there was. On investors' quarter, part, yeah. where they were sitting back waiting to see what was going to happen mm-hmm. right so so and in the stock market mentality they call that animal spirits right and we, we when we first you and i glenn when we first started together in sales we talked about animal spirits which are greed and fear right greed and fear so what's driving this marketplace is it greed or fear and that's that's a very sensitive topic. I would go as far as to say that there's a little bit of fear in the marketplace. I think that 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 fear is what is driving a lot of what's happening right now. Um, that's listeners. That's not a bad thing. Basically, what that means is there is a FOMA or fear of missing out in the real estate market, mm-hmm. and that FOMA is is a very very real thing, and it's based on the fact that the inventory is so low. So there are a lot of people right now that I talk to. We all talk to these people every day. They are two and three and five and 10 and 15 million dollars in stock markets and funds and commodities and this sort of, you know, this this money that's just hanging out there that's based on the overall economic health of the country. Right. So their wealth is are, are, is tied up in these funds and they're at a place in their lives where their uh, financial advisor or their wife or their friends are saying, dude, you need to diversify now. You need to get into some real estate now. And there are, you know, statistics which certified financial planners have given, which say that a well-diversified portfolio has 10 to 15 percent in hard assets. So real property, which for us is real estate. Right. Mm-hmm. So all these people are saying, dang, I have made a ton of cash in the stock market. I don't know where it's going next. Clearly, we've hit some sort of high plateau between 31.5 and 32.5 on the Dow, and it doesn't seem to be going any higher. Um, economic outlook for this country is 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 varied. Right. Some people say we're, we're going to be fine. But the reality is you're talking to a landlord here. Man, let me tell you something. Boots on the ground. The, the, the people that go to work every day for a living that don't have funds set aside. They've had to, you know, use credit cards to get through the last year. They have had lost hours. Uh, not everybody's been able to to keep up. Um, rents are going up. We're seeing an inflation in housing the, the to the cost to buy a house and also to rent a property, which is something we're going to talk about here very soon. So I'm going to shut up here. But what I want to say is we do have a situation and we do need to talk about it. Go into the the, the investor fears. Okay. First. Yeah. So talking to them, they all had the same idea. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all like kind of freaking out. Well, should I buy now? The market's going to go up. Is it going to go down? And I finally told them, I said, go back and do yourself a favor. Just pull up a graph of the history of real estate in the United States in the last 100 years. Just pull it up. And when you do that, you don't see a heartbeat line. You see a consistent yeah. up, 
right? Little drop here, and then when it comes back, it hits its normal previous position and it goes further. And it just, I said, so if you're in this for, all of them told me when they called me the first time, I'm in this for the long run. I'm in this for 20 years. I want to buy and hold and build a retirement. If you're buying and holding and building a retirement, who cares? Let it drop 10%. Sure. Tomorrow it's going to go back sure. to 20, you know, 15% next year. Sure. Um, where where I see the difficulties coming is going to be the guys that are buying and flipping, turning and burning, uh, turnkey guys that are trying to buy it, fix it up, put a tenant in it, and turn it over at full value to an investor who wants right. turnkey. Those are the guys that are running a dangerous line because, right, if market drops 5% tomorrow on a $100,000 house, that's five grand. A lot of these guys are running margins of five to seven grand a house doing sure. it in bulk, right. and your margins go away. But for those investors that are listening that are doing long-term investment, I think the stock market – uh, if you have properties in, in, in low ROI areas, the best thing to do is liquidate it, get into markets where you can get a good return and buy and hold. So I have a different theory on – I do believe we're going to have some corrections. We're going to have some market issues. We're going to have some – You think we're going to have a, a, a housing market correction? But it's going to be so it's going to be so minuscule. It's not going to it's not going to be an earthquake like it was in two thousand nine or two thousand twelve. It's not going to be like that. I think we're going to see a dip. That was what we call the Great Recession. Yeah. Okay, but that was driven by the greed of the mortgage business. Right. I don't think we'll ever see that. Again. I don't think we're going to see that. Not any time. I mean, we typically we forget the our history. And it ha- it'll happen again one day, but I don't think it's going to happen now. And I, I don't think there's factors that would lead me to believe that the housing market's going to go down. The stock market, yes, because the stock market's disconnected from Main Street. Should we be at thirty-two thousand five hundred? No. So it's going to correct. Yeah, and that's why people aren't getting in the stock market. My ninety-four-year-old dad got out of the market. He said, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. He took all his money out because he's You should be selling them rental properties. (laughs) You should be selling them rental properties. There we go. (laughs) And he has asked me about that. Well, this is what I want people to to remember. Because you and I, when this first hit in January, late January 2020, uh, I'll never forget the conversation. The first conversation that I had, and you looked at me and go, "Bro, this is going to be hard, man. This, we, you know, this is going to be bad for us. Things are going to shut down. We're not going to be able to sell property. Nobody's going to buy." And we did. We went through the first quarter where it was kind of like a little flutter, but as soon as we hit March and mid March, and people realized, "Oh, wait a minute, the media was wrong. The world's not going to end." Then people started buying again, and, and right. I, I want to say that that kept this real estate market alive and kept it from collapsing on itself. Sure. Because people were smart enough to realize, look, if I buy today, it drops 10% tomorrow because of COVID. Yeah. It's going to come back, so I'm sure. good. Sure. Well, okay, so what I have to say about this might be a very unpopular view, okay? and uh, well, Don't say it. Well, no, no, it's got to be said. It's got to be said because it, it is important. Like, the three of us are very different people. We have very different uh, ways that we approach Correct. real estate. I mean, my... In my industry alone, uh, you know, we are we're a yin and a yang when it well, comes to the, the investment you're process. On the, you're on the management side of it, sure. so you unfortunately get to see the. It's not unfortunate. You know, I enjoy my job. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't mean it in a bad way, but you get to see behind the door. Like once sure. the house comes EPN, yeah. then you're dealing with what's inside the house, yeah. the tenant, yeah. the the day to day grind of repairs, and, sure. and rent and collection and all that. Yeah, and and so, but but here's what I want to. So from from that perspective, but not only from that perspective, but my own unique 
view into this, which is shared by a lot of people. One of the things which has buoyed the values in the real estate marketplace across the country is the the lack of product. Okay, so when there's less product, I mean that's simple supply and demand. So what's what's driving the lack of product? Okay, here's what I think is what's driving lack of product. We have several articles uh, that we're you know we research articles, we 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 read the articles that are out there, different perspectives that different news groups have and uh, economists have as to what is causing this meteoric rise in property values. And overlaid with the lack of product. And here, here is the answer to your question. Uh, COVID has caused a lack of product. But I don't understand how. How? And, and, and so we're going to talk about this article. So a recent article that I, that I read uh, from the website Vox.com talks about how, and, and a lot of our listeners know this already, working remotely has made people's homes a combination Space, You know, it gives it two functions. Sure. It has sort of created a, an illiquidity or sort of, have, sort of has uh, uh, made the market, uh, when it comes to real estate, a little more difficult to work inside of because people are saying, you know what, I, I really can't move right now. I'm working from my home or maybe I've built out my office or I've converted a, a, a large walk-in closet into, you know, where I do my uh, Zoom calls or whatever. And so people are saying, no, this is... It, 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 First, it was my home, and now so it's it my should, home and so, my workplace. So the owner-occupants that would have normally listed and sold and moved because of COVID working at home, it was almost impossible for them to do so. I get that. Yeah. It makes sense. No, yeah. and that, I never looked at it from that perspective, but I'm t- – my perspective was coming from the you know the hundred thousand dollar house in Raleigh rental property that's and, been a rental property for forty years. And so I'm going to jump on that in a second. Let me do another thing. If there's anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you're listening to our podcast, chances are you listen to other podcasts. So we need to juxtapose for you really quickly the 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 difference between what's happening in New York or California or the West Coast East Coast to what's going on here in Memphis. Memphis is like most of the country. Okay, look, we get that COVID is a thing. All right, but but most of the states here in the United States do not have highly restrictive COVID uh, laws or rules, and they don't they don't keep us from being able to interact in business as much as what you guys are experiencing in California, Oregon, Washington, New England, New York, New York. You guys are experiencing severe shutdown. And so, when I listen to podcasts that are coming out of these other places, what they what I hear these people say in California, it's insane. Yeah. One woman I was listening to a, an actress. I won't mention her name yesterday. Or actually, I'm listening to this podcast right now. It's an entertainment podcast, and she talked about having her first restaurant visit last week in LA. Okay. And the way that they did that is they opened up the parking lot. And so she got to sit at a table 14 feet away from the other people in this parking lot and have a margarita. All right. And she was like, it was the best. I got to go to a restaurant. That's one year after lockdown. Okay, so what we want the listener to know is here in Memphis and probably in most of the United States, people are still living their lives. Right. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy to hear about the, the difference. So, so the point that I'm making is this. If you are listening to us from California, Washington, Oregon, or, or the East Coast, anywhere on the East Coast, especially New England, New York areas, New Jersey. Call you all. <laughs> one of the reasons of why I believe... 
that we are seeing a lack of what what has traditionally been our rental product is because these houses are not only being purchased by investors that are trying to take their money out of the stock market, but interest rates are so low and there are first time homebuyer programs that are out there. And so our renters are now taking advantage of the same neighborhoods and buying the houses that they used to rent. Yep. I think everybody's in the deal. Everybody's in the game. So there is a lot of competition. COVID is just a part of it. But what COVID has inspired, along with the intersection of unbelievably low interest rates, is a mad rush to purchase real estate. Well, but uh, now I've heard a different. I agree with that theory. Sure. And that makes sense now. Yeah. Because uh, I was really curious how, how, COVID, you talking about? how COVID would create a housing shortage. Sure. I mean, it's so cre- rather than so a housing, housing shortage, we have too many buyers. Is that what you're saying? I think that's quite possible. Too many buyers yeah. and not enough sellers because, and I, that makes sense. These people are staying at home working. Because of COVID, therefore, normally this time of year they put their house on the market, probably buying a you know stepping up to the next home or the different school district or whatever. But instead, because of COVID, they're just going to sit on their house for another year or two. So, so I want to drop that. Well, they made me forget what I was going to say. Okay, now. well then you're going to remember. <laughs> Come on, Aaron. <laughs> no, but here's what's important. That's a good thought too. Here's what I want the listeners to know: Everybody is so sick and tired of COVID. We're a year into it. We're relaxing all across the country, for better or for worse. We're not endorsing relaxing or not relaxing. But um, but the, the, the key point that I want to make here is this. As realtors, and man, my whole life from 1981 forward, my home has been a real estate family. So I'm surrounded by realtors, friends that are realtors, family that are realtors. It's what I do for a living. Here's what I want the listener to know. Sellers are back in the market. They, they, they are relaxing. So what I see is what I call a high plateau in the, in the, the, the pricing of properties. It's still going to go up, but instead of a correction where where prices drop, if we still have a lack of product on the market, prices really can't correct. In 2008, we had millions of units that were vacant. We had new construction all over the country. We couldn't sell. We had tracts of land that had been developed for construction and the builders went out of business and they couldn't build on it. And we had to look at that ugly crap for five years until Mm -hmm. builders came back and finished building on it. Here's the point that I'm making. In Memphis, Tennessee, very, very few people are building. We have a lack of product simply because people haven't been moving and prices have been going up. But my prediction here in March of 2021, and then I'm going to shut up. I promise. You sure? I promise. He said that twice. (laughs) I promise. This is it. Heard this line before. This is the big point. (laughs) The big point is people are getting back in the game. Yeah. Sellers are selling. And what we want you to know as the listener is that we're going to be bringing you some new opportunities and some new ideas as to how to take advantage of this relaxing market, the increased amount of property uh, and product that's coming back out on the market, and then maybe even how to tap properties that aren't even for sale. Yeah, we talk, and we'll we'll get into that as we develop this program. We'll talk to the to listeners about it, and it's a great idea. Well, but for you, yeah. we're going to give them a little tidbit. Yeah, There's yeah. a program we're, we're kind of putting together now that would allow us to contact people that may not be interested in selling today or are thinking about selling uh, because of the low inventory. We're trying to get creative to figure out ways to buy property. Well, it's not it's not that they don't have an interest in selling; they're afraid to because there's not enough inventory out. Out there so they don't feel like they can sell and find something to replace it with 
So we're, we're working on a program. It was, it was actually Aaron's idea. And Glenn and I have been talking about it and Bill, and just we need to put it together. So come back to hopefully in the next show yeah, or two, too short to, yeah. we, we'll hopefully be able to roll this, this idea out um, as a product we can do here. We're going to run a test market on it. The only problem is, you know, if it works, then – you know, we need to trademark it somehow because everybody and their mother is going to do the same thing. Well, let, let, me, ask a good a, idea. let me ask a question. Yeah. Go. Okay. COVID-19, uh, it changed the way we work. This is the new normal. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go back to where we were in terms of people, some people in certain industries working uh, in Why a workplace rather than from home. Why would they? You got a 12 story building with a thousand employees, and all of a sudden you just realize I can do this from a 5,000 square foot office and everybody's working remotely. Why would I mean, I see a bigger problem coming in the commercial market down the road yeah. because people, business is going to realize I don't need all this space. And this is why we don't sell right. commercial. That's right. right. This is why there's right. going yeah. to be a lot of commercial property out yeah. there available. Uh, because we're simply not going to go back to where sure. we were. Right. People are going to work from home. I've been working from home since 2009. Well, there's already a, you know, because I'm in real estate. There's I don't a, want to be in an office. You actually said to me, do you want an office in the new building? That's right. And I yeah. said, no. no. I have an office here. I haven't been in that office in eight months. <laughs> actually, your original office was you this room. You gave my office away, which I did. Fine. I did. Well, you never came in. No, I didn't need to. <laughs> well, just just before we wrap up, because sure. we got our next guest yeah. here, um, there is a company. I have a down where, I, where the boat is. There's a guy that has a nice boat down the, the dock from me. He disappeared in August, just his boat's gone, he's gone, My, Mike and Molly. You remember them? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, they're both in the medical sales field. Sure. When COVID hit, they both started working from home. They are now permanently working from home. So now Mike and Molly have taken their boat down to southern Florida. It's in a slip. Their house is pretty, or their boat's pretty big. It's kind of like a house. And them two and their son live down there on their boat now, and they work remotely from their boat. They never have to go anywhere. Everything they do is by internet computer so that company they work for and i won't say their name because they're here in memphis uh they're already downside they're realizing hey we can put all these people out remotely and get rid of all this space and overhead that we don't need right as long as you maintain your employees productivity they can work from home productivity they say goes up working from home you think so unless you got five kids i mean if i was aaron my productivity would tank oh yeah i gotta get into the office hey and i want to respond to this real quick and then um and then we're ready for our next guest here the please listener please understand the houses which you are purchasing or which you are in the reason you're listening is because you're interested in buying memphis real estate these houses are still occupied by people who live here in memphis who are in the service industry okay so one of the things that will always be the case here in memphis and in 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 typical towns like memphis um in the flyover states is that these our, our economy here is an economy full of people which serve each other okay distribution and just hospitality (laughs) just all services restaurants home maintenance you know all kinds of stuff like this and so um and and military too on top of that we still have a a big military presence here and we'll continue to have that so what we want you to know is just because those who are most likely purchasing real estate like the listener you are probably experiencing a remote work type situation at home just because you're experiencing that doesn't mean that the residents or the tenants who would be occupied 
buying your properties or experiencing that. Memphis is a city that needs rental property. And proof of that are all of the apartment complexes that are going up all over the city. In a couple of the articles that I read prior to this recording, it talked about how the value of single family residential property as rentals is at an all time premium. That's because people don't want to live in apartments for the rest of their lives. If they're going to raise their families, they want for it to feel as normal as possible. And they want their own yard and they want their own four walls and garage and they want to be able to have a pet if they want a pet rents are skyrocketing these previous conversations that we've had about return on investment and roi at the end of this year it's going to be completely different let me let me give you a quick perfect example yeah a uh, gentleman that was here for the summit bought a house in raleigh uh rent we i think he was all in about ninety thousand. yeah um rent comps were 895 to 995 yeah we finished the work brought it into epm and within four days it rented for 1100 a month for a couple with two kids, he is somewhere in middle management at FedEx, and she, I think, works at uh, I think St. Jude. I'm not quite sure, but eleven hundred dollars a month. Her, her. When I went out to show the house to them, as we were talking, her response to me was, "It's so hard to find a rental property that works for us." She said the in, the rental inventory is low and it's so competitive that they had six or seven houses they tried to get and they lost it, which is why they put an application on this one just by seeing a picture of it on the website. Right. And then came to see it. Right. So um, so for investors listening, if you wonder what the Memphis market's doing, Aaron's exactly right. Rents are jumping. Rental inventory available to tenants is low, which is now causing an upsurge in people just throwing applications out there. I'm dealing with a girl right now just talking to Melinda about it. She's got the same problem. So I put those two together. She's looking on future listings. Yeah. Trying to find something that's not available yet. Yeah. And if you want to see what the rental, what our rental inventory looks like right now, go to mymemphisrental.com. MyMemphisRental.com And if you want to see what Aaron looks like, Uh-oh. go to epmrealestate.com and go to the bottom. He's right there. And now, Neighborhood Chat. It's time now for the news of the strange but true. Yes. Andrew Almer of Fargo, North Dakota has flown an American flag from the balcony of his condo for two years. But the Condo Association is now demanding the flag be taken down because it creates too much noise flapping in the wind. Really? Yes. He told a reporter, you've got to be kidding me. It's not rude. It's not nasty. It's the American flag. And this is the part I like. He said, and it's not coming down anytime soon. Good for him. HOAs. I know everybody's seen the commercial. I forgot what insurance company it was. Maybe it was Geico. They have the funniest ones where the woman comes up and goes, your mailbox is 43 inches. It's supposed to be 42. And she takes a chainsaw and just cuts it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've actually been on a board of an HOA. I remember. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Never. I was on an HOA condo board. I own some condos in Baton Rouge. And after the second meeting, I got up and said some very profane words at people. I saw both my condos and moved. Not worth it. So I hope he keeps flying his flag. (laughs) I I think he's going to. Andreas Flatten of Peachtree City, Georgia, quit his job at Walker Luxury Auto Works in November, visibly annoying his boss. But he was promised his final $915 paycheck that it would be paid in January. When the check didn't come, Flatten contacted the Georgia Department of Labor to file a complaint. And one night in mid-March, 500 pounds of oily pennies were dropped on his driveway. (laughs) 
<laughs> is that what nine hundred and whatever dollars is in pennies? Yeah, but he's going to have them. Hey, he has to have them cleaned up. I don't know why they were oily, but he couldn't turn them over to the bank until they were clean. <laughs> I mean, who? That's hilarious. Yeah, I've often said I've gotten mad at municipalities. Uh, you know, certain segments of the Memphis municipal system, um, mainly the utility company. And there have been many times where I was going to go to the bank and get $380 in pennies and walk up there with bags and just drop them in that little thing that opens up and you drop, you put your money into. Yeah. But I didn't want to stay in line for 20 minutes to do it, so I just paid the damn bill. (laughs) You know, every time I see somebody that does that, they go to the bank and drop a bunch of coins, the bank will say, we can't take that. Well, they are. make them take it back. Yeah. If you look on the internet, there are are videos of people, furious people, paying their bills with change. Yes. Like going in with bags of change and just throwing it down on the countertop. I mean, it's it's legal tender. I don't think they can tell you. they, they. I don't think they can make you take it back. I think they have to take it. A bank has to take it. It's money. It's legal tender. Yeah. Robert Raddick, 29, of Marble, New York, scored a hat trick on March 7th when he was arrested three times in one day. First stop that morning in the city of Newburgh, driving a Jeep, <laughs> Jeep Cherokee, Raddick was found by the trooper to have a suspended license and crack cocaine with him, for which he was charged with a misdemeanor and released, according to authorities. At 2.30 p.m., the same trooper stopped him again, this time in a Honda Civic, and again found him in possession of crack cocaine along with heroin. <laughs> His final arrest came at 5.45 p.m. when Raddick was stopped driving the Cherokee again and detained after the trooper determined he appeared to be under the influence of drugs. No kidding. Raddick was released with tickets on all three violations and ordered to appear in court in April. What did John Wayne say? Life is so much harder when you're stupid. That was one of his great lines. Life is so much harder when you're stupid. What I'm thinking though is if he got a if he got stopped and he I had, can't believe he had crack cocaine and heroin and got out again on bail the same day. That's what I'm saying. If, if I they'd arrested him here, in the morning, the other two violations wouldn't, even, wouldn't have occurred. You wouldn't even get a hearing in front of a judge here until probably the next day. I mean, literally. I mean, you go to jail at midnight and you're not getting out till eight o'clock, nine o'clock the next day. I mean, I'm not saying I know from experience, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I have a feeling that in the city of Memphis, if you got stopped with heroin and crack cocaine, you would end up at 201 mm-hmm. with various cuts and bruises. 201. It's a great restaurant right there on Poplar and downtown <laughs> downtown Memphis. Great food. Great food. You know, great fried bologna and powdered eggs so uh that was our new segment we're just we're gonna do this from time to time to throw it into our podcast kind of break up the monotony of talking about real estate have have a little fun um we'll bring you some funny real estate stories from time to time all right so uh today we have uh, todd robertson with hometown capital group he's a, a lender uh broker i guess you want to call that yeah. and uh we've, we get a lot of requests from our uh, our investors and people um, that work with us trying to find lenders that can do cash out refis, new purchases for investment property. Uh, so we brought uh, Todd in today because uh, as we were just talking, Todd, you know, biggest issue we have is we have investors with property that want to do cash out refis, reinvest that money in more property. And you mentioned something called a delayed 
Delayed financing. Yeah. So explain that. What What is that? Delayed financing is a mortgage product that we offer for investors that pay cash for properties that are looking to get their money right back. So a good example would be, say, if Glenn purchased a house for $75,000, that property was appraised at $100,000, we would be immediately or we would immediately be able to refinance that loan at 75% of the appraised value. Not is, that the, the, is that the standard percentage, 75 LTV? 75% loan to value is going to be the max cash okay. out for an investment property, but gotcha. your standard conventional mortgage guidelines are going to require that the property be seasoned for a time period at least six months to use anything over the sales price but delayed financing supersedes that we will allow you to use the appraised value not the purchase price gotcha so even though he bought it for seventy five thousand, if it appraised now for a hundred thousand we could immediately loan him back the seventy five thousand, and he could roll the closing cost into the new mortgage well you know i mean in memphis it's hard to get that kind of a deal because let's face it the, the market's hot so everything you buy you're paying close to market value for it to just get a rental property um but most of my most of the one investor i'm thinking of he wants to do 50 50 in other words he wants to take his cash and then borrow put 50 percent down on everything so what i gather from this is that he could actually buy those homes with cash then immediately then take out 75 percent of that four hundred thousand dollars that he had and then use that additional funds to buy his next three correct gotcha okay um because glenn and i have heard this over and over again that lenders are not doing cash out refis a lot What's of the are. difference between cash out refi and the delayed uh, delayed loan? The delayed, delayed financing, financing is really just a special program for investors. Okay. It's still a cash out refi. It's just labeled a little differently. Gotcha. You know, as I've talked to investors, I tried. You know, a lot of them will come to us and they'll say, "Hey, do you have a lender we can work with?" And so I tried to convey to them that lenders have products, just like the products you buy at a store. Every lender has a different product. You have to find the one that matches with what you're trying to achieve. So this sounds like it would work in a lot of instances with our investors. Yeah, it will. Uh, you know, but there, there's a. I just assumed, and what I was what I was told is that cash out refis weren't happening because the investor market for those type of loans had kind of dried up. Because of COVID, people think I, I don't know if it's because they think I'm gonna have, I'm gonna buy all these loans and then all of a sudden the values are gonna go upside down and now I've got negative net worth paper and uh, I don't understand why, but that's that's the information I'm getting back that no one wants to touch cash out refis. And you're gonna hear that a lot. Um, everybody's gonna blame it on COVID. Uh, right. Everything right now does get blamed on COVID. Yeah, my shoelaces came untied earlier. I had COVID. And it yeah, untied. I had it earlier. <laughs> Coffee spilled. It was because of COVID. Um, but uh, I think a lot of what you're hearing is true with a lot of different lenders and investors across the country, and it's just because they want their portfolios to be tight. They don't right. want to take on risk. Um, the investors that I have that I sell loans to are willing to take on those risks with the delayed financing. Okay. So it's what separates me from everybody else. That's cool. So, so that, are you, But are you saying the risk factor has gone up in in your world? Uh, are you saying that lenders are, or or people who purchase those loans see more risk now? Yes and no. Uh, that's hard to answer. Um, from a general perspective, across the board, investment properties have always been a higher risk loan than a primary residence or a second home. Um, because of COVID, because of loss of jobs, loss of wages, 
Um, if you want to think that the economy's not doing good, you can blame it on several different things, and that's where lenders layer their risk, just like an insurance company would for my 16-year-old kid who's had three wrecks opposed to my 36-year-old <laughs> wife who's got a perfect driving record. You know, it's just a layered risk assessment. So to answer that question, it would yes and no. Some look at it one way, some look at it others. I think mo- most of it is perceived. It's perception. Yep. From if you're if you're an investor in California, you're perceiving the market way different than we are here because we're here on the ground and we see it. Yep. If you're in New York, same thing. So um, I think it's just perception. I think most people that started out in 2020 thinking everything's going to collapse are now. I've I've got an investor right now. Just called me for the first time in eight months. He told me absolutely not. I'm not buying. I'm gonna wait till the market tanks. And I'm gonna buy up everything cheap. He's calling me now, begging me to find him something. I keep telling him the market's There's nothing out never there. changed yeah. and it's actually gone up. So now you're going to be paying retail for something. Yep. Something we could have got for eighty thousand in twenty twenty. You're going to pay ninety five for today. Correct. So, what other kind of products do y'all offer to investors? Um, your standard conventional mortgage financing for an investor. If you just wanted to buy a house, if mm-hmm. you've got twenty percent to put down, you know we can give you a standard conventional fifteen, twenty, thirty year mortgage. Um. There aren't as many investor products out there at this moment that were creative like there was in the past. Right. Um, there are some asset depletion programs, some stated income programs, um, pretty much no doc programs out there. We don't see a lot of those right now. They are available. So if you had people that were interested in that, we could look at those case by case. When you say no doc, you're talking about the well, <laughs> you talking yeah. about the Stated same credit we went through in 2009. Yes, the same yeah. thing. Stated yeah. income. Yes. So if you got the right credit score, I can just say I make a million dollars a year, and you, they're going to write me a loan. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Really? Yeah. Now you're going to so, be. What you said earlier was wrong, Glenn, because we are repeating history. Yes. Yeah, we are. Well, we take for, we for forget our history. I'm telling yeah. you, it it repeats itself. It's just a matter of time. It's, it's, However, it's a cycle. Yeah, yes. the previous the previous collapse was based on them lending money to anybody with a heartbeat to buy a home. We saw a lot. Well, I mean, we saw a lot of that when they were write a check. We had we had one where they wrote a loan for three hundred thousand dollars to a woman who said she made six grand a month. She moved in. When we tried to save her house, believe it or not, she never paid a note. Filled it with uh, furniture from a local we finance furniture store. Uh, and lived there for 24 months before they finally got her out. Yeah. Now, that was back in what we called the wild, wild west. Yeah. Um, and that was Y'all going, were slinging paper as fast as you could print it. <laughs> now, that was also <laughs> a primary residence. Yeah. These products are specifically for investment properties. They right. are not written on primary residences or second homes. In order to do a stated income loan, a no-doc loan, an asset depletion loan, mm-hmm. these have to be investment properties. So they okay. don't fall under the same guidelines and laws and restrictions that we have for primary residence. Asset depletion would be, let's say, you've got $8 million worth of assets in the bank, but you don't have income. We're going to assess your assets, and you can deplete those assets at a certain level in order to qualify for a mortgage. Got you. Okay. I've heard this from one of my investors. He contacted a lender, and they said, well, if you don't have a W-2, you don't have W-2 income, then there's not much we can do for you. So would that be geared towards somebody that does have assets and maybe self-employed? It really doesn't matter. In an or let's say somebody property. owns eight properties now and their whole income is $2 million or $1 million in assets they have plus the income that comes from it. They would qualify. They would qualify? No, you have okay. to have the credit score to qualify. Sure, sure. So it's still credit-driven. but. Okay. Um, 
you don't have to have w-2 income you can have tax return income um depending on which product we're looking at for each individual everything's going to be case by case on their specific scenarios so to tell you that it's a one size fits all product that's not true no and i I don't think anybody's looking for that but you know you when we send our investors out to find loans or and they're calling around you know uh, talking to different lenders they get so many different variations of what can be done like there are banks that tell them you can't do cash out refis nobody's doing them you're never going to do that this year it's going to be later next year before it's going to happen but you know there are products like yours which similar to a cash out refi basically well it is a cash out refi we just label it as delayed financing if you pay cash now let's say glenn's bought a house two years ago and he owns the house outright or there's a small mortgage on it you would still be eligible to finance up to 75 percent cash out through my conventional mortgage product you wouldn't have to do the delayed financing you wouldn't have to do any sort of creative programs like the asset depletion the no doc the stated incomes you would just fall in line with a standard conforming conventional product which is going to give you a market rate which market rate right now on a 30-year conventional investment property loans around three and a quarter so okay well, uh, Todd, so people that are listening, how can they get in touch with you to talk about this delayed financing? I, I see your uh, – what's your phone number? It's uh, area code 901-552-5530. Say that again. 901-552-5530. And your website? 901mortgage.com. And that's really the easiest way to apply for a mortgage is just go to the website, okay. fill in the online application, and it'll come directly to me. And then I'll reach out to the investors or the clients and take it from there. Before I let you go, so when somebody puts it in, you, you're actually already working on getting an investor lined up to buy that loan? Well, I have lenders that I work with that That'll, are- That take over the yes, paper once well, it's all done. Okay. It's going to be pre-sold. So when we take the application, I already know which investor that loan's going to go to. Okay, got it. So all they have to do is meet the underwriting guidelines and we close like any other loan and they've got their new mortgage cool so let's keep in mind that products in the mortgage lending business change daily so the information that you just heard is reflective of today's situation uh, march 25th 2021 all right man well i appreciate you coming in yeah no problem thanks a lot thanks for having me thank you for listening to behind the curtain podcast your real world guide to real estate investment and property management. Be sure to subscribe at behindthecurtainpodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about enterprise property management's real estate services, please visit us on the web at epmrealestate.com. This has been a Sound Ideas Group production for Enterprise Property Management, Inc.